Thank you to our podcast sponsor, Samson Rope. Your rigging ropes aren't just tools of the trade. They do the grunt work. They have to endure dynamic loads, abrasion, and moving through hardware while keeping you safe, which is why Samson rigging ropes are specifically designed and engineered to meet the rigors of your job, the result of a legacy of over 140 years of innovation. Stable braid rigging line is the industry standard for arborists. A durable polyester double braid rope with a high strength to weight ratio, torque-free construction with UV protection. Put Stable Braid to work for you. Stable Braid from Samson, the strongest name in rope. Visit samsonrope.com for more information. Let's just hop right into it. Yeah, let's go. So I guess I'm going to lead off with the first question that I know I have my own opinions on, but um, in March, when you first told us that we can march, see you in two weeks, um, <laughs> to, to now, there's been a lot that have been going on. What were your, your first thoughts of what was happening then? And how, what are your thoughts now? Yeah, so, you know, thinking back to where we were in March, um, first of all, I feel really fortunate that I had kind of four major inputs for information. Um, the first was as a, as a member of a Vistage CEO peer group, uh, we were getting a lot of really good information through the, the Vistage company about what was going on with the pandemic, what, was li- what the likely impacts were going to be. Um, again, nobody had a crystal ball. We, we thought we'd be back in two weeks to a month, but you know, I think we had some pretty good early indicators um, that, you know, that this was going to get pretty bad. The, the second uh, group was, or the, or the second sorts of information really is our, our board chair, uh, Mundy Wilson Piper. She and I were immediately in touch about, you know, not only what, what we were going to do at TCIA, but what she was doing in her business and, and what that might mean, how our other members might respond. So really thinking both from our response as an employer, but also um, how our members may respond. So that was an an awesome source of information and, and discussion. Uh, the third, our, our staff leadership team, and just getting a real clear picture of what different folks' perspectives were, what was possible. You know, could we effectively work with you know ninety five or, or more percent of our employees? Um, you know, working from from home. And finally, um, you know, my my partner is a is a physician. Um, and you know, we happen, she happens to practice in one of the most hard hit areas of our state, um, and really had, again, some, some good early warning, uh, indications like, Hey, this, this could get pretty bad. You know, when we sent everybody home, I think there was a real thought, at least in my mind of, Hey, if we take this preventative action now, we may get back sooner. (laughs) Um, and that we were better off to take proactive steps than to wait and uh, end up with employees coming into the office, carrying the virus and spreading it within the workforce. That by, by sending everybody home before there was any real exposure probably worked out to our advantage in terms of, um, I mean, to date, you know, we've had almost no COVID incidents and, and, and none that have seriously impacted um, individuals or um, our ability to, to function. So, 
you know, knock on wood, we've been, we've been very lucky in that regard. As to what I'm thinking now, I think it became pretty clear pretty quickly that this was going to be much more than two weeks to a month. Um, I'm incredibly proud of the board of directors coming together in May and June and, and making the decision to not hold Expo this fall. Um, or the fall of 20. We didn't know with any real certainty how long the pandemic was going to last, but there was enough indication and enough understanding on our part that we felt comfortable making that decision when we did. Now, fast forward to September, October of this year, that decision became more and more of a no-brainer. But to make it when we did was, I think we were one of the first fall um, green industry conferences to, to be, to, to make that announcement. And it was, you know, in the months following that, that other trade shows were, were postponed or canceled. So, so that's number one, you know, I'm glad that we continued to uh, take it seriously, to, to look forward and to think about what was in the best interest of, of our employees and our members um, and, and to put those interests first. Today, I'm cautiously optimistic um, I think there's some real promise with these vaccines that are out there. You know, some estimates have it, you know, April, May, that the, the vaccine would be widely available to the general public. So I, I am hopeful that, you know, we're, we're returning to normal um, this summer, um, whatever normal might look like. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, and, and I think, so, so let me stop there and, and see if you have a follow-up question. But, but overall, you know, I, I have been very happy with our response. Again, both, you know, on behalf of our employees and our members, um, our team has done just a, a fantastic job, not really missing a beat in terms of productivity, even though, you know, we've now got 47 employees working from 47 offices. I hope that uh, most of our members haven't really noticed a, a significant change in our productivity. And so, yeah, I'm happy with where we are and I'm excited for what's in the future. So kind of going back to the board of directors, tree care companies are experiencing something totally different during this time than we are as a support for the tree care companies. Uh, I know many of them are booked flat out and have been through this entire thing in I was reading a couple articles basically saying that people are home and while they're sitting in their offices, they're staring out the windows at their trees and lawn <laughs> and landscape that they want to get fixed up. Um, how it's weird because we're, we're two very different sides of the same coin. We're trying to support them. And part of our thing is, you know, stay home, be safe. But for these companies that have to go out and are still working and are busier than ever, when you talk with the board, kind of what's some stuff that they have talked about, you know, decisions need to be made for their own uh, staff's well-being during the same time, because there's not a lot of remote tree care going on. Right, yet. right. Um, so I think early on in the pandemic, it, just like everything else, it really depended on where you were, right? So if you were on the East Coast or the West Coast, you know, you probably gave, and I know board members in those areas did give a lot of consideration to pausing, you know, shutting down for some period of time until they could get sufficient protocols in place. In other places, you know, Midwest uh, folks, you know, early on, 
it hadn't really reached there. And it didn't seem like a shutdown or a pause in operations really made a lot of sense. And so I think you had to really give people the room to make the decisions that they thought were best for them at the time on the information of what was going on in their locales. I do think, you know, talking to folks today, there are a, a myriad of different ways that tree care companies can continue to operate, but maintain good COVID protocols. And first and foremost, you're outside, right? So, I mean, that's thing number one. You know, number two, having wearing a face mask is probably not a huge ask for production employees, you know, and then it's just really thinking through, you know, do we want to have people take individual vehicles to the job site so there's, there's no more than one person in a truck? We're going to have our safety briefings outside and everybody's spaced out six feet apart. Um, if you follow any of our member companies on, on social media, you've seen that those are the kinds of things that they've implemented, disinfecting equipment, disinfecting, you know, trucks, disinfecting workspaces. So I think outside of the initial response of, hey, this is hitting us hard and fast and we just need to pause, which is essentially what we did as well, to what are the protocols we can put in place to continue to operate safely, I think a lot of tree care companies have figured it out. And continuing off of that kind of point, um, not all the decisions that you've had to make have been easy and not all decisions that these various companies have made have been easy. So it's, it's kind of a two-part question, but first off is, so you found uh, the Vistage Group, which is a bunch of other like-minded CEOs as you, who you're able to bounce advice off of. Did you find that being in that kind of group helped and just kind of where would you go about finding a group like that? Yeah. So, I mean, again, I, you know, I'm very lucky in two ways. One is, you know, through that, through that Vistage group, um, I interact with about 12 other CEOs in the, the sort of Southern New Hampshire, Northern Massachusetts area. And they represent a, a wide range of industries from manufacturing to uh, meeting planning to defense contractors even. Um, so you get a, a good experience and a good cross-section of different perspectives. Uh, you know, for example, the defense contractor shutting down wasn't an option because yeah. <laughs> uh, the defense department wants what it wants on time, you know. And then, uh, you know, our board really functions in, in, in much the same way. You know, you've got 10 senior level executives from tree care companies from all over the country that you can sit down and say, how are you approaching this at, at your business um, and get their perspectives, which is, is hugely valuable. So I think, you know, my advice to anybody is whether it's the, the peer-to-peer group that we offer through TCIA, um, which I would, I would certainly encourage people to get involved with, but, but being able to, to bounce ideas off people in similar situations and just know that you're not alone. Um, sometimes that's, hey, you know, early on, no one knew what they were doing. I'm not sure most of us still know what we're doing, but just knowing that you're not alone, that other folks are struggling with this and being able to, to kind of talk that out with people is just hugely valuable. Um, so again, whether it's, it's uh, some local organization and, and you're tapping into folks who don't have anything to do with tree care or 
you know, again, putting in a plug for our peer-to-peer group, I, I think they both have value. And I wouldn't ask somebody to pick one or the other. I think you can, you can do both. But, but being able to, to tap into other folks that are having the same experience is, is very valuable. Just trying to figure out how to phrase the next one. Um, Go ahead. So, so basically, you, you are the CEO, you are the president, you're responsible for a lot of the big decisions, all the big decisions. And, you know, you can do all of it in the team with the peer-to-peer groups, like you're saying. But at the end of the day, um, that decision is a lot of the time rests on your shoulders for some of these bigger stuff. How, especially now during this, how have you found ways to cope with making these decisions? Because they are all not easy. There's not a perfect solution for everything. Yeah. Um, but obviously, in, you know, our time at TSA, you know, you have to figure out a new insurance policy for us, basically, because the old one got rid of. There was nothing that we could do, you know, it's in COVID time and you have to make that decision that best yeah. affects everybody. And obviously it can't because you're, you're one person and we're 50 people. Right. Right. How, how do you go about not coping, I guess is lack of better term, but you know, not letting these kind of decisions overwhelm you or affect your work or kind of drip into your other stuff that you're doing. Yeah. Um, so let me try to answer that kind of in two parts. Um, I think the first thing is kind of how do you make the decision? You know, um, and it, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, whether it's a, a vote of the board of directors or a decision that I'm empowered to make individually, um, you can get all kinds of inputs from other people, but at some point a decision has to be made. And it's challenging uh, for sure. And I, what I try to keep in mind is um, some of the stuff that Don Ream talked about in winter management. You have to approach this as part of, part of my job is to make sure that the people who work for TCIA feel safe and feel like the company is operating with their best interests in mind. It doesn't mean that everybody feels like they're getting everything they want all the time, but it means that people feel like we're operating in a fair and above board manner and that they can understand why we're making the decisions that we're making. So I think the transparency piece is really important. So to sit down with the staff and say, this is what we're doing and this is why. People may still disagree with the decision, but they can't say we didn't tell them why we're doing it. Um, And I think that extends, I know that extends for board decisions. You know, the board had to make the decision to not hold Expo, but they wanted people to know why they were making that decision. And and, and they had some very, very good reasons for making that decision. I, I think, you know, establishing that trust is so important, whether it's with the the employees or the members, that both those very, very important groups understand why we're doing what we're doing. As to how, as a leader, you cope with those decisions, um, because yeah, I I mean, you, you make the best decision that you can, but you really don't know what the ultimate outcome is going to be. You're making decision based on what you think is the most likely best outcome based on the decision that you make. And 
how you cope with that, I think, is equal parts um, <laughs> finding ways to distract yourself. No, um, you know, I, I think it is a little bit of compartmentalization, frankly, where, you know, you have those times in your day, in your life, where you're not constantly thinking about work and the decisions that you have to make. If, if it's all consuming, if, if, if all you're ever thinking about <laughs> is work in those decisions, you're probably not very healthy and you're probably as a result making poor decisions. Um, so I have a, a lot of hobbies. <laughs> I think I pick up a new hobby every like two or three months. Um, but you know, my, my most recent one is uh, I've tried to tackle some baking projects, but before that it was making beer, before that it was riding my bike. Um, you know, so you, you have to have those, um, distractions. And I think the, the second part is having faith in, in yourself and the people around you that whatever comes, you're going to be able to address it. I think if you're constantly worried that the decision that you're making could be the wrong one, you're actually going to end up making bad decisions. I think if you say, look, this is the best decision that I can make right now and have the willingness to admit somewhere down the line that maybe it wasn't the best decision and change course um, and have the support and the trust of the people around you to be able to do that, you're going to be a lot happier as, a, as an individual and you're going to be more successful as a group. So I'm not sure if that directly answers your question, but um, that's kind of how I approach the decision-making and then also how I sort of live with the decisions that we've, we've had to make. No, it does. Thank you. And, you know, again, appreciate the transparency and honesty behind it. I think, you know, there's a lot of, let me back up. I think it's hard for, you know, the, the average worker who's just kind of, you know, not responsible for making these decisions every day to realize that there is still a lot going on um, behind the scenes mm -hmm. because a lot of places aren't as transparent as, as we are as a company. Um, there's still a lot of things that are made behind closed doors for whatever reason, good, bad, or different. So I think that it's, it's good for people to hear that there is, uh, you know, the insight behind it. So, yeah. Um, so looking at, I, don't even want to say the, the board of directors, but the industry as a whole now in, you know, December, January, basically uh, 10 months removed from, from March at this point when the pandemic started. Um, how, how have we as an industry changed? Right off the top of my head, it seems like there's been a lot more online offerings from everybody at this point. Mm -hmm. But what are some other ways that you know that uh, the companies have also been changing at their own local levels. You know, it's, it's really interesting. Um, I, I don't think that the biggest change for our industry comes in the, in the sphere of online events. You know, we've had the ability to put on virtual events and the, what the pandemic has done is made them necessary and gotten us all a lot more comfortable with utilizing those virtual platforms. But I, what I'm getting back to is I, I had a conversation with a member of our board, Jim Houston, I think at winter management last year, but 
uh, long story short is he and I were talking about um, disruption and what sort of advancements, you know, technology, whatever, would have the greatest disruption to the tree care industry. So, you know, thinking what Uber did to the, to the cab industry, those kinds of things. And I kind of went off on a tangent around automation and Jim came back and said, I think fundamentally the way technology disrupts tree care is through communication, how we communicate with employees, how we communicate with customers, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that that is exactly the biggest impact that the pandemic will have on tree care companies, how they communicate within their organization and how they communicate externally with customers. You know, so we, we've now gotten to a point where it's like, hey, we don't, we don't need the homeowner to come outside. We don't need every crew to show up to the, to the office in the morning. We just need them all to be logged into Zoom or Teams or Slack or whatever um, when they get to the, the, to the job site or what have you. So I think that that's going to be, for the, for the companies that have adopted those strategies, I think that's going to be a big change moving forward is, is leveraging that technology for those communications. Now, I will say for TCIA, I think that we now have a burgeoning segment within our membership who is more comfortable and more uh, knowledgeable about online education, about you know, leveraging webinars and, and things like that, that we're going to be able to expand and supplement upon our in-person events to reach even bigger audiences. You know, I think there's, there's a group that's always going to want to come to Expo in person, um, but there's a group within our membership for whom, you know, coming, traveling to Expo every year is not a reality. And so the fact that we can uh, now sort of leverage all these different tools to reach our members in a different way, I think is going to be hugely uh, important for TCIA moving forward. What are some... I guess, unique or creative ways of uh, implementation of new strategies that you've seen maybe from board members or just even through social media kind of um, ideas that you saw and you're just like, wow, I never actually thought of that if we're continuing off of the, the communication and the disruption of tree care companies. I think it, I'd be hard pressed to come up with a, a really specific example without sort of giving away <laughs> uh, company information. But I would say that fundamentally understanding that if, if you've got a, a shop, if you've got a company with 50 employees, 100 employees, whatever it is, the idea that the only way you can effectively communicate with all of those employees is to have them all physically in the same location at the same time, that's gone. Yeah. You know, there, there's a real recognition that not only can I effectively communicate with the, those same people and have them physically in different locations, but that may actually reward efficiency, right? That there are ways that I can leverage that to get, you know, my crews out earlier to get them, you know, up and running faster, whatever that may, however that may play out, you know, that there are other opportunities for, for safety and being able to, to connect with the crews throughout the day. Right. So it's not, oh, I'll get a report when they get back to the to the barn at night. It's I can check in throughout the day without 
you know, necessarily micromanaging. So I think, uh, again, without kind of getting into what I've heard individual companies are doing, I think just recognizing that you can be effective and be more efficient by leveraging these communication technologies. I think what I, I'm most interested to see, and, and this is, um, I'm really interested to see how this changes interactions with customers. And, I, and I'll be honest, I haven't really heard, uh, I, I can't give any specific examples about that either, but just thinking through, you know, what are the opportunities, whether it's a, an app, whether it's, you know, leveraging video conferencing for, you know, rather than doing a, a, an initial visit in person, maybe you ask the potential client to walk around their yard and show you what's going on via FaceTime or something. And now you can hit three times as many quotes in half the time, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I just think that's what's going to be a, a driver and who figures that out. Um, I think we'll have a really strong differentiation strategy in whatever market they're in. Going back on our discussion about the board of directors and working with others to try to create the vision going forward, um, you guys are from all different backgrounds, all different walks of life. Has there been any different points of contention that have come up between you during this this event and even about things such as communication? Because, you know, an example from my own life is my my dad's boss, who hopefully isn't listening to this. Uh, <laughs> uh, he He's the exact opposite of what you believe for the the office, you know, not being as necessary for everybody to go in. Um, even as he has to cut down on staff and other people, he is very stubbornly holding on to those physical addresses because, mm -hmm. you know, he believes that having those physical office spaces make a business. So um, the board of directors is, you know, comprised of people from all different backgrounds and walks of life, uh, you know, specifically so we can get that full view. Has there been anything um, of note that you'd like to, touch about that you know hasn't been an agreement or you know just kind of how you guys are able to work through these issues together because you know it's it's not just important to each of you guys individually but you guys are also trying to help the industry as a whole so yeah again you know a couple people trying to do their best to represent the best interest of the majority of people how does how does that work so um let me start off by saying the the board is comprised of 11 individuals. You know, I, I'm the 11th member of the board as a, as a non-voting member of the board. So, we, you know, there's 11 individuals, 10 of whom get a vote, but the board acts as a single entity. You know, so when we reach a decision, that's the decision of the board. And it's not as if an individual board member then goes out and says, well, this is what the board decided, but I disagree with it. You know, our job is to, to get all of that out in the room and come up with a, a consensus decision um, and, and act on that decision as a group um, rather than reverting back to being 11 individuals, right? Um, we have been truly uh, fortunate to have Mundy as our, as our chairperson this year. She does an excellent job of um, listening to the discussion, uh, finding the, the areas of common ground, and getting us to a, a decision place 
or a place where we make a, a unified decision. I don't know that any of our votes when you know by the time we get to the sort of calling the question and the votes are actually you know show of hands i'm not sure we don't that most of our votes aren't unanimous uh, because we take the time to uh, or because mundy uh, and and alan uh, jones before her and i'm sure tim gamma will continue this next year as chair um, but we we take that time to get to as close to consensus as we can before we make a decision. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that that's, that's really important. Um, now to your, to your sort of larger question, you know, yeah, we have a, a pretty diverse uh, board in terms of company size. We have uh, one of our corporate members, Moorbark represented on the board, you know, geographic distribution, everybody from the West coast, to, to the Midwest, to the East Coast, North and South. So I think we get a pretty good cross-section. And so when we can come to consensus, when we do come to consensus, you gotta kind of realize like, well, then we've probably touched most of uh, what our, our members would raise as concerns. Now, again, you can't make all the people happy all the time. But I think we, I, I know I personally, and I think I can speak for the board as an entity, you know, we'd rather make a decision and move forward than to kind of play politics and try to let everybody hear what they want to hear. Yeah, no, thank you. And because you were already on the topic, but Monday hasn't had quite a normal year to, <laughs> to be, you know, board chair. I, I mean, I guess right now is kind of the time to, to sing or praise. So if you have anything that you want everybody to know that what's really been going on that's usually behind the scenes, even more behind the scenes now with, with yeah. all the stuff that she's had to do. So I don't, you know, um, I'm not sure. So like I said, I've been, I've been in association management now for coming up on 12 years. And I'm not sure that there is such a thing as a normal year for a chair. Because inevitably, you know, they come into to their year or in some organizations two years as chair with a, a certain set of expectations and inevitably that gets blown out of the water pretty quickly. I do think that, you know, Mundy has not had a traditional year as chair um, and has not uh, had all the, the opportunity for um, the pomp and circumstance and, and quite frankly, the recognition that usually goes along with chair, being chair. Um, so with all of that said, I will tell you what I've told Mundy privately, which is I, I cannot imagine uh, a better partner to have gone through uh, this year with. There have been any number of struggles that most of our members and most of our employees will never know about. <laughs> um, you know, whether that's personnel issues or, you know, trying to think through our, our financial position and how we could uh, best maintain operations without depleting our reserves. This has probably been one of the most challenging years to be chair of this board. Um, and Mundy has, has done it with flying colors. Uh, she and I have a weekly conference call that's supposed to last an hour and usually goes for an hour and a half to two hours. Um, she's been an incredible resource and an incredible support uh, for me personally, but also just her her attitude and her aptitude for 
how the board should work, how the association should work, how we should be taking care of our members. I don't think most folks will really appreciate the work that she has done for probably a couple of years. But the fact that we are likely to come, we as TCIA are likely to come through this largely unscathed, you know, knock on wood, we've still got a ways to go, um, is a testament to her leadership and her commitment to the vision of what we want TCIA to be. So thank you, Mundy. Hopefully you're listening <laughs> to this. Um, and let's, let's touch base real fast on uh, one other event that's coming up soon by the time this airs um, will be the annual conference. Uh, we're going to be doing it a little differently this year and we're sure. going to be doing the, the virtual version. Um, and just to, for you to touch base on that kind of, sure. Yeah. What, so, what's the point of hosting it differently this year? Right. So, you know, you really have to think about TCIA and our members as, you know, yes, we are for tax purposes and, and for mission and, and vision, we are a not-for-profit, right? But what that means is rather than return profit to the owners of the company or the investors in the company um, and dividends and, and other payouts, our job is to return value to our members. And so to that extent, I think our members are shareholders of TCIA. And part of our, our contract with our members is that every year we have an annual business meeting in which we uh, report to the members what the state of the association is, how we're doing, basically where we've been, where we are, where we're going. Um, and then we owe that to our members as shareholders of the organization. It's also an opportunity to, to recognize award, you know, significant award recipients, whether that's the Award of Merit, the Pat Felix Award, um, and other awards. And it's also an opportunity to introduce the new board chair, to swear in the, the board of directors, et cetera. And I, I recognize that um, we typically do that the, the first morning of winter management. Um, in the absence of winter management, we're still obligated uh, by our contract with our members to provide that information. And so uh, to, to do it through a virtual platform and potentially reach many times more of our members than we've, we've reached in the past. And to, to again, with, with our commitment to transparency and other things, to be able to sit down with, with our members and say, this is who we are, this is where we've been, this is where we're going. I think it's just a huge, hugely important opportunity. So if you're a member of the association and you wanna know where we are and where we're going, that is definitely something worth tuning into. Um, whether you watch it live or watch a, a recording of it posted later, I think it's hugely important uh, for us to, to, to provide that information and for our members to, to take advantage and to, to go over that information for themselves. So, wrapping up we're at the end is there anything else that we haven't touched base that you would like to to bring up or would like to say no i mean i you know i think at this point so we're sitting here you know recording this towards the end of 2020 and i know so many of us have have such high hopes for 2021 um and, and at this point it's become cliche to sort of 
uh, talk about how weird of a year 2020 has been. But I, I, again, I have to say that the way that TCIA's members and staff have risen to these challenges, have embraced, you know, whatever normal is in these times and tried to make the best of it is a testament not only to, to us as individuals, but to the industry as a whole. I think that there, there is a, a strong reflection of the values and worth ethic of our members that comes through um, in our employees. And I'm just so incredibly proud, whether it's our, our volunteer leaders at the board and committee level, or it's our staff, um, that we've been able to come together and continue to, to perform and provide value to, to our members is just extraordinary given all of the distractions that have happened this year. So, you know, I, I, I always say to the staff and to the board, I consider myself very fortunate to be working with this group of people. And um, I've never been more proud of, of both the board, our staff and our, and our members than I have over, over the last 10 to 12 months. So it's just, it's a privilege to be here. Joe, it's, it's great to be the, uh, the first guest of season two of the podcast, which I'm, I'm very excited about and have had the opportunity to listen to. And so uh, I, I wish you the best of luck with this endeavor as well. And uh, I'm glad people tuned in to, to hear about a little bit about what's going on. Thanks, Dave. If you are interested in learning more about TCIA's annual meeting and how we're going to be doing it this year, please visit 365overview.tcia.org. That's the numbers 365 overview.tcia.org. Thank you to our podcast sponsor, Samson Rope. Your climbing ropes aren't just tools of the trade. Your life literally depends on them. Specifically designed to endure any environment you throw at them, Samson climbing lines not only meet the rigors of your job, but are engineered to keep you safe the result of a legacy of over 140 years of innovation. Hyperclimb is a new 100% polyester 11.7 millimeter double braid climbing line engineered for both moving and stationary rope systems that run well with your hardware and Prusix. Hyperclimb's low elongation is key for long ascents and dual purpose climbing. Hyperclimb from Samson, the strongest name in rope. Visit samsonrope.com for more information.